Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with Monkey Tennis. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And this is the beauty of podcasting, the freedom of the medium. Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. Fireworks. Dumb like about. Trees are my pawn. Monkey tennis. Ready, steady, fuck off. Scratch me. Are you being served? Monkey tennis. Excuse me, your dog's taken my dog's stick. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Monkey tennis. Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Generally, I think new ideas are bad. Monkey tennis. Why not consider chips? You must come and stay in the barn. Fuck off. Riddle me that, you nutters. Nothing refreshes like an ice-cold glass of milk. Nah. Monkey Tennis from the Oast House. Keep it down, love. Hello and welcome once again to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks and I'm joined by Tom Dark. Oh, fiddle shit. Nick Alder. I've been coaxing him back to health like a male nurse that's straight. And Tom Stab. Disabled people can still be mean. Look at pirates. <laughs> so uh, today we're going to be summing up our thoughts on the Oast House series as a whole. Uh, but first we've got to tackle the final episode, tantalisingly titled High Noon, uh, which regular listeners must know by now is the name of Alan's Twitter troll who's been popping up throughout the series so far. Um, so he opens this by saying, there's a spring in the step of my voice, if that's not too clumsy a phrase, which it is. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yes, as, as you've just heard from Nick on the intro, he's still coaxing uh, Morris the Magpie back to health like a male nurse that's straight and we're a month on from the previous episode aren't we at this point so yeah. he's had morris with him in the ace house for a month which is quite a popular um, tactic for the final episode of series isn't it 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I wanted again to go in with an early question to the group. What were your expectations or predictions from an episode titled High Noon? Hmm. Um, I was expecting more of a showdown than there is. Yeah, um, without perhaps, spoiling it. <laughs> yeah. It's just something of a... It's, it's a little anticlimactic, isn't it? Well, I, I mean, I think, to be honest, it, it's not a case of spoiling... Like, if, if you're listening to this podcast now and you haven't listened to this episode, you're doing it the wrong way around. So I think <laughs> this is... I think we're clear for spoilers here. It's fine. Uh, I mean, yes, we'll get to this in more detail, but I feel like it's a bit of a... It just kind of fizzles out, really, um, that there isn't a big kind of conclusion. So, yes, I was hoping for some kind of face-off showdown and perhaps the reveal of who High Noon would be. I feel like we're going to get to into kind of a lot of that this, as this episode kind of, um, you know, rolls out. Um, Alan's been getting lots of helpful advice um, from High Noon on Twitter. Um, mm. So they've actually got quite a, a favourable, positive relationship at this point. Um, so it's it's clear that High Noon is a an experienced birder um, and suggests that Alan needs to give him a high-protein uh, diet. And as a result... Uh, uh, Alan is feeding uh, Morris beef mints. He's basically feeding him pies, isn't he? Like that, that, can't be, that can't be good for him. And I do like the way he suggests <laughs> High Noon has suggested beef mints, but rather yeah. than just feed him beef mints cooked beef, it's a mints, whole pie. It's a whole pie. <laughs> I bet Morris loves pies with loads of salt, loads of probably like oil <laughs> yeah. and fat and and yeah. other things that aren't going to be very good for him. <laughs> And remember, they are microwave pies as well. They're not even good meat pies. It's microwave could it, meat pies. Could it be goblin pies? <laughs> oh, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I guess the key line uh, is Alan says, High Noon was once quite nasty to me, but isn't anymore. So, uh, yeah, it's implied they've had a month of being quite cordial and uh, swapping bird bird advice. Um, yeah, followed up by the example uh, that Noel Edmonds uh, wants to show children how to use a crossbow so even monsters <laughs> can show an element of humanity, um, which I like for a couple of... There's quite a few jokes like this, I think, where on first on first read or first listen, the joke is very much in the punchline, the so even monsters can show an element of humanity. But then when you go back and consider the scenario that has Noel Edmonds showing children how to use a crossbow, there's actually sort of a second joke in that setup in that that doesn't sound like a very safe thing to be doing at all. I also like uh, that he is putting Noel Edmonds alongside Genghis Khan, Hitler and Mussolini. Like, yes, exactly. He's, 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 he's cut from that cloth. Yeah. I do, like, I do like that um, uh, Mussolini and Hitler, famous, like Mussolini, respectively, Mussolini famous for poetry, Hitler famous for watercolours. I did like the detail that Genghis Khan was, <laughs> was famously good at card tricks. Yeah. <laughs> good use of the word famously there as well. Yeah. 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 Um, so there's an implication here where Alan believes that High Noon, you know, starting to, to sort of see him in a sympathetic light, saying that he, he might have been pushed aside, perhaps starved for his mother's attention. Um, it's worth noting as well, at the time of us recording this, that there wasn't a high noon on twitter uh, at the beginning of the series there obviously is now uh, the handle high noon was already taken but there uh, there's someone going by that name under at no more partridge so inevitably the gap will it has been filled as the uh, as the podcast mm. went out um is there a bit here where he's talking about the infamous world war one christmas day football match as if it actually originated from a paul mccartney music video did i hear that correctly that he's sort of talking about that uh, that that football game was made famous by paul mccartney's pipes of peace music video surely that was a pretty well-known fact before paul mccartney got to it 
Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, li- I like the way we get the reveal here. That So, you know, you've got the first probably three minutes or so of this episode where Alan is basically telling you he's feeling quite chipper. Seems like him and High Noon have reached a bit of a truce. But then you hear the windscreen wipers and he's like, oh, that? I'm just sitting here in a residential street in my car ready to perform an ambush. So there's quite a quick, quite a sudden kind of a change in tone it's like there, a, isn't there? It's like a rug pull, isn't it? That yes, you kind of yeah. you didn't really see coming. And it's, it's really not often good. it's not often that Alan is sort of one step ahead of the listener or the viewer either. So it's a, it's it's a, quite a rare thing that we're taken by surprise by Alan. Yeah, and the, just even simply the way he says, "Oh, that," as in he he can't wait to reveal what's what's really going on, what his true motivation behind this episode is. So, um, yeah, it uh, transpires that he got talking to a PI, which I thought, you know, that doesn't ever happen, does it? You, you arrange a meeting or you don't. You don't get talking <laughs> to a PI. Um, but Derek from his Rackets Club uh, has used this private investigator before, spending sixteen grand to basically find out that his wife was getting secret counselling rather than the affair that he suspected, and that actually um, it felt like a bit of a callback to. Alan getting scammed by the cab driver in mm. uh, the LA episode mm-hmm. as well in terms of people spending vast amounts of money to, to, to basically not get very far I enjoyed that Alan um, tells us that he'd learned all about IP addresses from the private investigator uh, but then he says I being for internet don't know what P stands for yeah he missed that oh, yeah. because Derek Derek was eating <laughs> Walter tends to eat as he talks. He refers to his Wikipedia being altered, and I wondered if just mentioning this in the real world might spark a series of changes on Alan Partridge's own Wikipedia page. So I have to wait. <laughs> I, and see. I did check it today. As of today, I can't see anything um, scandalous. But yeah, he does say uh, months of petty vandalism. <laughs> um, you would think that the, uh, the 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 PR agency who have been doing all the LinkedIn stuff, if they were also. Uh, it's still employed, uh, still on retainer by the time this series finishes, then they should probably go in and edit Alan's Wikipedia page as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, at the time of recording, they've, they've only just uh, commissioned a golden statue in Norwich, haven't they? Oh, no, sorry. That is definitely a purely independent thing done by two random people that has no association with the production whatsoever. Yeah, one of <laughs> just whom, to say at that. least one of whom works in the film industry. Yeah. <laughs> Funny um, that. There's a nice throwaway line uh, about Alan failing to keep his eyebrows under control and saying that uh, trying, to, trying to tame them is like trying to comb Bracken. I just thought that was quite oh, nice. <laughs> But before that, Alan says that he is long in tooth and long in nasal hair. (laughs) (laughs) It really is a constant battle once you get to a certain age. Um, It seems that Lynn's actually quite a sneaky detective. Um, She's been asking about Alan's coffee consumption to try and work out if the two cups that she found out meant that he had company overnight. We mentioned this on last week's episode. I I just want to say, for me, in a way, Lynn absolutely steals this episode. Even though she, there's not. It's it's more Alan talking about his interactions with her. So it's not even like she features in a phone call or something. But every time that Lynn is involved in this episode is absolutely brilliant. I think. So yeah, she's trying to to reason with Alan that that he and High Noon are now basically friends. She mm. says the trolling is over. You found common ground. Uh, Alan sees things differently and has brought Lynn along as a lookout. Uh, and also Sean and Connor, the beefy boys that he's mentioned previously, burly lads. Uh, he's brought them uh, for what he thought was a hundred pounds in total but it turns out it's £100 each. Should we skip back slightly to the field work that Lynn has to carry out for Alan before we get onto the ambush, though? Um, so Alan's done some quite good uh, sleuthing in terms of combining the fact that he knows, from conversations with High Noon, that he knows he must be going to a park that has a pond, benches, near a church, a church with a clock. 
Uh, he submitted a freedom of information request for how many parks there are in Norfolk. And the council said, you don't need a freedom of information request, we just tell you, <laughs> which I loved. Uh, and there yeah. are 344 parks to which Alan says, oh, fiddle shit, which I really enjoyed. Um, so yeah, using his sleuthing, Alan has got it down to a short list of 29 parks. Of course, Alan isn't going to do the field work and go and visit those parks. It's poor old Lynn dispatched to do that. And it's taken her under four weeks on account of her new hip. Um, just a small detail uh, on the 344 parks that uh, the, 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 the Norfolk has. Um, again, I took to TripAdvisor and the number one nature and park attraction in Norfolk, according to TripAdvisor, is Hippisburg Owl Sanctuary. <laughs> ah. <laughs> which i like do we think yeah. that's skewed by the alan fan demographic going in and positively reviewing norfolk owl sanctuary quite possibly i didn't I actually go i bet. didn't actually i didn't i didn't dig deep into the reviews but um it's a safe bet isn't it <laughs> yeah i like that uh lynn suggests yeah that alan um should just turn the other cheek um in in this kind of uh, scenario but i'm guessing that might be because partly she just doesn't want to do all of this field work because she's got <laughs> yeah. four weeks of basically park work to do <laughs> but i also enjoyed that alan said that um jesus christ didn't have a troll and that joseph and mary uh, christ didn't have to deal with hate mail on their nazareth doorstep <laughs> <laughs> um so yes sean and connor are poised ready for action lynn's ready to dial 999 uh, they're outside uh, the likely home of high noon um and then lynn flashes her lights she sim the door open uh, but crucially once she started she doesn't stop uh, and so <laughs> alan's like she won't stop flashing her fucking lights yeah <laughs> you're blinding me <laughs> two other lynn things she's in a beige maestro and that she doesn't understand the okay gesture so she thinks you need to make the o and the k and i love <laughs> i loved it when alan basically opens his car door to shout at her and then when he gets back in the car he says, she's nodding but i don't think she understands what i mean i just kind of you know you, you could really visualize this being an actual like episode like kind of lynn playing out all these sort of things can't you it's great it's kind of reminiscent from uh, i'm alan partridge series one when uh, lynn hits the hazards <laughs> goes nuclear yes yeah, exactly <laughs> series two uh, oh no series two that's sorry you're yeah. right yeah yeah that's uh, with pete god imagine it? the amount of complaints and corrections we'll get if we don't all right that it's now. with pete it's when he's, oh, he's in the static home you've hit the hazards lynn i know what yes. i'm talking about fuck off <laughs> <laughs> are these trolls getting to you tom you might be a bit stressed stressed <laughs> This is the kind of um, point where I think the episode starts to take a bit of an odd kind of turn. So, you know, it's it's really building to a crescendo and you do see kind of High Noon coming out and, you know, he's pushing um, uh, someone in a wheelchair uh, and then kind of goes to buy ice cream. And then this, this is where it sort of slightly unravels for me. So kind of... Alan kind of, you know, loses confidence in, in his own plan and just opts to go and buy ice cream for uh, Connor and, and Sean, who are, who are in the car. Um, and that's slightly kind of, you know, the end of the scene. And I, I mm. personally found that a slightly uh, odd direction for it to take. And it certainly one, wasn't one that I was expecting. Yeah, I think even even the idea, I mean, the idea obviously is is, is that, um, that High Noon is actually kind of, you know, perhaps under some pressure, perhaps having to care for an elderly uh, relative. I mean, that Alan's been joking throughout the series that, that he lives with his mum. It seems perhaps he does, but that actually he probably his, mom, does, yeah. his mum is in need of, of quite a lot of, uh, of round-the-clock care, and that's why. Um, but even that isn't explored very fully, is it? I mean, I suppose it's hard because without Alan going out and confronting them, you can't get the hard details of, of High Noon's situation. But 
it feels like it's yeah it's been left a bit lightly sketched hasn't it um the one thing i did like with the ice cream business though is that um alan is sort of like oh yeah he's bought with two flakes so oh, that'll be yeah but he's got that for himself but he hasn't high news bought that for his mum but then when alan goes to buy the ice cream not only does he get one with two flakes just for him um but he makes lynn go to buy the actual ice cream and she's only allowed nice pop that that's <laughs> that is the bit that i did i did love for this scene um as it were that yeah he just the way this plays out and it it's kind of a gag we've seen with the way alan interacts with lynn in the past anyway i think but yeah off offering to get the ice creams and then it's like lynn can you go and get three ice creams um and yeah an ice pop i mean i don't know how much ice pops retail for these days but i'd swear when i was a kid they were only like worth about 10p as well <laughs> it's literally the cheapest thing possible it can't be north of 50p even in 2020 no, um, and much as much like him going to get lynn to get the ice creams is it, it like when he was decided to buy a gift for lynn back in an earlier episode he mm. makes he makes lynn's neighbor uh go and get it for her yeah exactly exactly that sort of thing i mean i guess that it, it, there's a bit of narrative work here where i think it kind of because it's basically it's putting into the listener's mind actually high noon probably isn't the nasty piece of work that Alan thought he was going to be because he's caring for a relative, possibly his mother. He's buying an ice cream and being generous with it by getting a nicer ice cream for his relative. Yes, yeah, so I, I, and then you have this point where you just hear Alan going, hmm, and there's a bit of pausing before he goes to buy the ice cream. So obviously it's indicating that Alan is starting to mull over, oh, actually, is this guy, is, is this troll the nasty guy I thought he was? But I do also agree with you, Nick, like, it still doesn't really go anywhere from that because there, there is no confrontation. Just uh, just one quick point on the ice creams thing. You know when Alan says, get yourself something, and he's asking yeah. Lynn to go get the ice cream, the implication here is that Lynn is spending her own money here. So <laughs> she has to get premium <laughs> ice creams for everyone else. But Alan said, get yourself something. It's Lynn's money. Get yourself an ice pop. It's her money. She can get what she wants. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then follows it up not that long afterwards by saying there's a real uh, have your cake and eat it quality with Lynn <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it time to move back uh, to the host house um, where Sean and Connor have obviously been paid and Alan as we know didn't uh, approach uh, High Noon and he's back with uh, Morris the Magpie uh, yes he says briefly of Carol uh, while she was being filled up by another man I was blissfully ignorant which I like just, <laughs> for, a grim description. just for the way that he phrased it it's awful <laughs> there was arguably a bit of depth to the, the the line sometimes not knowing something's better than knowing something everything was fine until i found out i mean it's debatable but there's an element of wisdom to that i think yeah he's in he's in the shallow end of the philosophy pool isn't he yes uh, and he says and have i made a big boy decision a uh, uh, boy have i made a big decision which i quite enjoyed as well <laughs> Uh, I also did like, um, uh, obviously, Alan says that he's going to forgive and forget, which is kind of what Lynn suggested earlier in the episode. And then I just like the fact that he's outside and he's just talking and then just chips in. Gee, that's gusty. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he's, like, doesn't he say the winds of change are blowing? Yeah. Yeah. The winds of change are blowing through his life. Jesus, that's gusty. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and that change is literally just he's decided to turn the other cheek and put his focus back onto Morris, who then duly fucks off. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There's there's all sorts of uh, all sorts of references again to cares and to Shawshank Redemption. Mm. Lots of parallels of birds equaling learning and growth and and so you. And then there's an oboe interlude right at the end, which I thought a was absolutely bizarre. Um, and I thought there would be more of a payoff to that. But also, I guess it's kind of 
par for the course for Partridge trying to inject some sort of gravitas at the yeah. end. Yeah, yeah um, that's fair. And I kind of wondered, you know, you find him in quite a contemplative mood, but is he really in a contemplative mood or is that just what he's trying to project? Is he, you know, has he, has he learned something? Is there some sort of deeper message here or is that just what he wants us to think? Oh, I, I, I think he has. Yeah. I, I, I think, think he's genuinely it's... choked up about Morris, isn't he? Yeah, I know. I'd, I'd, I'd also, you know, I think it's worth saying absolutely brilliant acting from Coogan here. Like when he's kind of swallowing down tears saying, goodbye, Morris, you're a good bird. Yeah, I think yeah, actually <laughs> listening to that is actually quite touching because the acting is so, so good. I think there, there's genuinely quite a bit of emotional heft to, towards the end of this episode, I think. I think that's probably heightened as well by the fact that Morris has, he obviously hasn't been a recurring character, but he he's not a bit part that's come and gone we've we've heard about him in the previous episodes we've we've heard quite a lot about this relationship build up and it's it's clear that alan has had some uh, genuine affection for him and i did like the line um, where alan says uh, partridges and magpies can't mate but they can be mates <laughs> <Just thought laughs> <laughs> a nice way of putting it it's quite uh, sweet and then when morris is flying off into the distance he does say he should be with his own people so this is exactly how he describes seldom as well they're people i've got to say i did find this quite a damp squib of an end to the series i think i think we probably all agree that the um, the high noon kind of climb down was a bit of a shame Mm. i have to say i don't I don't have the answer of how I would have liked that to go better because I think to have other people's voices in it might have broken the spell of the podcast a little bit. That's true. Um, yeah. They did kind of paint themselves into a sort of narrative corner, didn't they, by by yeah. just having Alan being really 99.9% of the audio that you hear. And and whatever happens with High Noon, it has to fit into the context of a podcast episode that Alan would be happy to put out himself as well. Um, the only way I can think that something unfavourable could happen to Alan and the podcast still goes out is if he made up a joke about, you know, him being so tight on deadlines for Audible that he he didn't have chance to kind of, you know, <laughs> right, right the wrongs. I, I guess the, 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 it, it kind of works on a level, though, in terms of you expect there's going to be some big conclusion and some kind of face off that isn't what happens and i think throughout the series it's quite a quite a recurring trope that what alan sets out for each episode to be isn't actually what it ends up being so whether it's going through letters whether it's doing an ama but hardly answering any questions whether it's saying i'm going to do an episode about dreams or hair and then there's hardly any talk about those things so i think it does work on that level but i I still agree it was a bit disappointing we've been unanimously um gushing about the quality of the gibbons writing since they came into the apu um and and you know how consistently brilliant their material is that they've produced but i think one criticism that we have consistently said especially with the books is that they don't end particularly brilliantly so Mm. you have the dave clifton um, face off at the end of I Partridge, which I felt was a little bit anticlimactic. I think the ending with the fever dream in Nomad, and then he's in, mm. he's back in the hospital, and that it ends kind kind of suddenly. Not a particularly strong ending, and this I don't think is a particularly strong ending. Now, obviously, we're not professional writers; they're professional writers. We couldn't probably, you know, come up with a better solution. I'm sure they've done all that they can in order to come up with the best possible solution that they could think of. Now. Yeah, like I said, we're not we're not the writers, so it's very easy for us to sit here and go, oh, I didn't like it, oh, I didn't think it was a particularly strong ending. But 
I think you can forgive them that because the consistency of their output across the board has been amazing. And there is a lot of brilliant stuff in this, um, which I think we'll obviously get on to talk to it, talk about in, in, in the specific wrap up. But I just think, yeah, maybe that's a bit of a trope that we are noticing that it hasn't necessarily worked. Well, I'm, I'm speaking for the group, but for me personally, some of the endings when it comes to the written word and now in this podcast form hasn't quite worked for me. But 99.9% of the output is incredible. Um, yeah, I think I'd agree. I mean, uh, the other thing I would say is that with the exception of Alpha Papa, I'm not sure, and, and maybe Mid-Morning Matters that doesn't need much of a conclusion, I don't feel like any of the projects have concluded as strongly as they've continued, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I, I, as, you, as you kind of said, um, there's a lot of really strong content, but I think not just the books and this, but even the end of this time, I think certainly all of us leading up to episode six of this time, we're expecting a kind of punchy and more explosive ending than we actually got. Um, mm. I'm not, I don't know that it necessarily means that the Gibbons have, have a, an issue with endings. And I think it, in some ways it may well be deliberate, you know, that they need to, Partridge always needs to, be left open and left able to continue yeah, and they can't you know they're, they're moving on from the kind of era where everything was very big and outlandish and kind of slightly slapstick mm-hmm. and you know somebody had to die at the end of a, a series um and i think there is more subtlety and i suppose with that comes these kind of slightly softer landings at the end of each project yeah that's fair so just to kind of bring this episode to a conclusion, um, one thing I did really like was that the credits are read by Rosa. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I thought that was such a nice little little touch and it did kind of like, bear in mind it's quite a melancholic ending. I thought that kind of like, you know, really sort of brought a smile to, to, to the kind of the conclusion of the episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that pretty much brings us to the end. So does it, is it worth us taking some time to discuss then the, the wider series as a whole? Can I well, just add one thing about the Rosa reading the credits? Yes, I really did like it. But yeah. it did actually kind of make it hard to understand the names of the people who were in it. I found I was specifically trying to... There are quite a lot of the names who are clearly... Um, uh, you can clearly work out who they are. But there are a couple of them where I don't know what names she's saying. <laughs> I really enjoyed um, that when she reads out Baby Cow, that she's so oh, yeah. baffled that a company is called Baby Cow. Yeah, because and, of and course... And the fact that that whole section is done in character, so then you hear Alan say, thanks, Rosa, that was really good. Um, and the... it, I also liked at the at the very end, Alan says, I'd like to thank the people at Audible that have become my close friends. Uh, the reason she's perplexed by Baby Cow is presumably because English is her second language, and so she will have learned calf. Uh, and so ba- the whole joke with Baby Cow <laughs> is that it's a play on, on Paul and Pauline Calf, the Steve Coogan characters, and that, you know, Baby Cow is, is effectively nobody says that. Even in English, that's not the correct translation. The tr- correct yeah. translation is Calf. So she's like, Baby Cow? Because she's so used to Calf. Another thing I noticed that was great is that um, the series does feature Claire Cole, who is Steve Coogan's daughter. Uh, she's named oh, in the right. credits as well. So she she had a part to play in this too. Oh. The, just uh, a couple of lines that I wanted to highlight is when Alan is talking about Lynn, uh, Lynn saying, I knew you'd see sense in the end, which was very annoying. She said, mm, and smiled to herself quietly, which was even more annoying. Absolutely love that. It's just, I, I, for me, like it just works so well, like visualizing these interactions with Lynn in this episode. Um, but yeah, I think I, I feel like we, yeah, we will broadly agree kind of it's, it's it's a weird one the the conclusion of this as an episode because it's I think it is emotive I think Alan has softened a lot and learned something 
but then the fact that it does just fizzle out with oboe for like a minute and and i wondered it's kind of like you were saying tom about them kind of writing themselves into a corner almost the only narrative thread we've had through this series has been high noon so you are led to think well that's going to be that's going to be a concluding part and we, we, that's going to take us somewhere and it just doesn't one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh. I mean, let's start with criticisms, I think, because I, I expect broadly we all feel that this is strong partridge once again. Um, I think the main thing for me is that it's just it's over long. Um, we, I, I don't think 18 episodes is necessary. And I think mm. although it gives them kind of a slightly different angle in terms of writing and a PR angle for Audible, this is called a podcast, and I think this has even been referred to in the APU, but you can tell that they've gone about it in the same way as when they wrote the books, because it's about as long in terms of audio length. Um, it's split up into 18 chapters, and I think most of the books you know, had sort of 20, 20 to 30 chapters of varying sizes. So it's almost like it's been written like a book, but without the pressure of it having to have a kind of narrative arc. And I think that's yeah. a good thing, because I think when they try to put a narrative arc into Nomad... It kind of won, you know, pun intended. It kind of wandered away from <laughs> from the idea of Alan doing this walk, and you know that was part of the joke. Um, I like the fact that this lets Partridge meander. Um, I always really love in comedy when there's a strong when you you learn a bit more about the character's backstory. Um, rather than it just being kind of like it's all about just kind of pratfalls and, and they're no different at the end than they were at the start um, but also I wonder because this is sort of partridge that's harder to access you need a subscription um, arguably less people are going to hear this than, than watch this time whether they don't change Alan as much because there's kind of there's kind of mainstream partridge like BBC partridge and then there's kind of you know sky atlantic documentaries there's audible podcasts there's kind of side partridge that only kind of real fans are going mm, for mm. I, I i definitely agree with you on the fact that 18 episodes does feel a lot how i would perhaps counter that is that you know perhaps we as people covering this podcast 
suffered a little bit with Alan fatigue, given that we had to listen to it a number of times and in quite quick succession. If you yeah. spread it out and listen to it over the course of, I don't know, five, six, seven weeks or something like that, or ducked in and listened to a couple of episodes a week, would we be feeling that same kind of, oh, it dragged a little bit or we did felt some of the episodes at the latter end of the series weren't as strong as the ones at the start of the series would it be better of spread out and you know if you had the luxury of time which we didn't necessarily have um and we, yeah we just kind of had to have these listening sessions where we were kind of listening to it prolonged and, and and back to back do you think there's an argument then that what audible should have done is release them one a week rather than dump them all on online at once but then you have the issue of like people losing interest i don't know like 18 weeks is a long old slog that's basically a third of a year isn't it pretty much mm. i mean also i suppose a, a sub question to the group is given that this was uh, audible exclusive and that all the episodes were put on at once and it's roughly the same length as an audiobook and it's split into kind of chapters is this even really a podcast like to me the definition of a podcast is something that's kind of broadly available across you know various podcast providers and is yeah you can dump them all online at once but they tend to be episodic and it tends to be Mm. kind of released you know at regular intervals so i mean i guess it kind of stretches the definition of what a podcast is in some ways i I think yeah i I definitely agree but i think this is definitely written and recorded as if it were a podcast because he does use the word podcast throughout the entire series so i don't think it's just like some uh, uh, what let's say hypothetically it was going to be a book and then they retrofitted it into a podcast but what i do think is that they probably prepared it made it and then were kind of shipping it out and selling it like seeing who would who would who would potentially buy it and amazon uh, or amazon slash audible happened to be the ones that 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 came in and, and stunt up the cash for it if no one had wanted to do that then i'm sure it would have just gone on apple Podcasts, spotify etc etc and i do wonder if it's going to come if there's going to be a period where it is just available on audible and then at some point maybe a year two years i don't know there might be an exclusivity deal it does go um on wider podcast platforms i think um it's interesting i i feel like we probably all broadly have the same view really because a, a lot of the points i was going to make you guys have made already in terms of i i I, I'd certainly agree that it felt a bit overlong. Uh, I think perhaps 12 episodes would have been perfect. And I think for my money, there are definitely five or six episodes which felt weaker and I could we could probably gladly lose and not lose too much. Um, but then it's interesting because it's just a bit conflicting because equally, when you look at the the end result is essentially it is like another audiobook. So you do, you do get that kind of... It, it's a decent chunk of new partridge to get your teeth into. And I think like you're saying, Tom, if we'd have had a lot more time to live with it, it would be interesting to know if we'd have felt a bit different about it, because I think, you know, all the partridge stuff that we've, we've loved over the years, we've had like literally decades to live with it and re-listen and rewatch and things like that. So, cause I even feel it's conflicting because I feel like the second half was weaker, but then also re-listening second and third times, other gags would reveal themselves. Oh, yeah. So, you know, things like all the mangled lexicon things and like the kind of deliberate misspeaking, which is kind of a real hallmark of the Gibbons era, they don't immediately reveal themselves. So it's kind of, there's definitely a value to going back into it. But obviously we've been, I mean, I think I've listened to it all three times in quite a short space of time, which maybe isn't the best way to do it because it does become 
almost a bit of a chore at times. So I had to remind myself how excited we were when we got that first episode, the rambling episode, and yeah. how yeah. much we all loved it. Yeah, um, I listened to that like four or five times, I yeah, think I loved exactly. it exactly, so and much. that was so exciting, and I think we all agreed it was kind of like perfect a perfect bit of partridge because what i love about it is it's a proper insight into his mind which was equally why i loved the books because it's kind of a uh, it's a more natural continuation of like him radio broadcasting but because you're getting it you know it's directly his thoughts which is where a lot of the comedy lies um a couple of things to raise which i which i thought were great though i think they could have quite easily gone along with some bad production type gags Mm. but i think that would have probably rendered it unlistenable <laughs> so i think it's good they didn't do that it wasn't mm-hmm. a pear tree audio production a yeah. pear tree's podcast production was it exactly because i just think <laughs> i just th- think that wouldn't have worked um i thought there might be more podcaster bashing but i feel we got off quite lightly <laughs> yeah um generally i just really love how each new piece of gibbons and coogan written uh content it's just really it's a lot of it's just really solidifying Alan's life and world in the Gibbons era. So it's seldom, it's swimming, it's loving eggs, it's hating Edmonds, it's being pals with Damon Holmes, it's going to boat shows. Yeah, you know, I, I just love the fact that we now have like a fully rounded life and world around him, um, which, which you know, I guess is also the benefit of having a character that's existed for 25, 30 years. Um, one thing, I was hoping that him saying, gotta do stand-up would have a payoff. I was kind of hoping that that might become an episode in its own right, perhaps towards the end, because I think he says that probably four or five times. So I was a bit disappointed that didn't go anywhere. Um, but yeah, I think in summary, I, I really enjoyed it as a whole, but I think it probably did work best only listening to one or two at a time, listening to more than that back to back. I think I think a lot of the jokes would go over your head because it is quite dense. Um yeah, and I, I also shout out to Lynn every time she was in it. Those were some of the best moments. Um, just to your point, Tom Stab, about how this came about, I've got a feeling rather than them creating this and then shopping it around, I think Audible were the were the impetus for this process to begin. I think probably there was a meeting where they were like, we want to do something with you. We want to give you X amount of money for X amount of content. Because I think just because like the references to Audible and Amazon are woven so neatly through yeah, this whole thing. Yeah, you're probably on reflection. Yeah, you're probably right. I think you're probably I've, right. I've got a feeling this is this was made to order rather than yeah. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. made on spec. Fair enough. I think the one thing I would kind of just add, and to be honest, I'm not going to repeat what you've said, like what the three of you just said, because I, I completely agree. Um, and it's it's kind of the point that you made, Adam, when you first started speaking about how the strength is that it can meander and and wander, wander and it can be slightly ill-disciplined, if you like. But I do think the one thing it needed that it didn't really have was this, a central conceit that ran through it, a kind of a red thread that connected everything. And I think you have that in High Noon, but the fact that this High Noon payoff was ultimately a bit of something and nothing, I think was just the one disappointment. And throughout the whole of the kind of the high noon kind of relationship and the Twitter trolling, it, it was kind of interesting, but I never, I never felt that invested in high noon. I didn't think a lot of the comedy was in that high noon character. So I think one of my bigger observations in terms of, you know, what we're kind of calling the, you know, a crit- like criticism of it was that it did need a slightly stronger central conceit um, that does have some element of payoff so that you do feel it has a bit of a beginning, middle and an end, even if the broad body of work is a little bit rambling. I think one thing that we should really praise this for is Coogan's performance. I yep. think his 
delivery, the vocal ticks of Partridge, the um, the jumbling of words, as Tom mentioned, the delivery of certain lines. There's some absolute gold here. I think it is an amazing performance from Coogan because it is basically throughout the entire Partridge universe on TV. He has had people to riff off. He's had people to bounce off. But as we know from doing iPartridge and Nomad, Alan in the audio form is amazing. Like I, w- although we we said that maybe towards the end of it it became a bit of a chore, and we've we've kind of discussed the reasons why. But I do think that even in the weaker episodes, there is plenty of really great stuff that comes from the way that Coogan performs. And like I said, the inflect certain inflections and way he delivers phrases, how he phrases certain things, gets things wrong. It's there's so much gold in this and it does kind of sound a little bit like we're down on the series but I don't think that's true I think we're just noting the criticisms because we've been so you know um uh happy to praise the the stuff that the Gibbons and and, and Steve have done over the years and and this is no different it's kind of like not more of the same but like you know you're going to get a certain level of quality so it's almost more interesting for us to kind of dissect the things that we didn't find as interesting rather than mm. sit here and go oh that was brilliant yeah it was brilliant i love the bit where he said this it's 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 a little bit more in depth than that because we've become better more sought after broadcasters <laughs> um, <laughs> but but in on the whole i think given the fact that alan is 99.9 percent of this and there's so little for him to do other than speak directly yeah. to the audience it's an amazing incredible brilliant performance i i, I just love hearing alan in the audio form so I did think there's something about High Noon that we haven't really de- delved into, which is, so as we say, that that's the kind of the one narrative thread that runs throughout this is Alan is being trolled by High Noon. And this is something I was thinking about the first time I listened through is particularly because in the last couple of episodes, the relationship dynamic changes and they essentially bond and start becoming friends. I was thinking... Does High Noon actually troll him at all on my first listen? Going back, like, yes, he does. But actually, Alan doesn't give that many examples of the trolling. And the examples he gives, aside from the things that indicate he might be stalking him, so it's things like when they've seen uh, how long he's been in a disabled parking bay for or smelling of E45 cream on the bus or whatever it was. Or nice trousers. But, but, it, but it, yeah, but, but you know, then there are lots of other quite generic things like nice trousers. Well... You could just tweet that to anybody at any time and they're probably wearing trousers, right? <laughs> the only like real examples he gives are things like, I know your little secret and your podcast isn't even that good. And there are lots of other times when he gets messages from High Noon and he doesn't read them out. Or he's kind of or there's that episode when he's he's kind of laughing and appreciating that it's quite good. Like quite a good message that he sent him. So I think whether there there is a whole layer of the joke with High Noon is that actually he isn't the vicious troll that Alan is making him out to be. Although that said, if that is kind of one way we're supposed to be reading it, I still don't think that that alleviates the fact that the conclusion is a bit weak and fizzles. Uh, finally, just the last bit from me in terms of criticism, but then um, is is there's no payoff to the quote in episode two about Alan having a wife. I found that a bit odd as well. Why would you drop that in as a little bit of detail mm. and then not refer to it or, you know, have it turn out that Alan was just boasting or something like that? To 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 drop that in in the first episode that goes out to people and then not reference it ever again just seemed a little bit odd to me. I, I, I've kind of assumed that 
in the context, it's just a hypothetical example. Yeah, it must be. But and I, th- I think you know, obviously, because this is what we do, we're doing a podcast dissecting like everything. I think <laughs> because that's the nature of how we're doing this. It's like we we've tried searching for meaning that isn't there. Basically, but then we did. But, but then we did have people who would listen to it for the first time saying, "What's that? Alan's yeah, got yeah, a wife." Yeah, like, it yeah. is, like there, there there are certain things I completely agree with you. Yes, obviously, given the nature of what we do, we do go into minute detail. We've we do gone try too and, but, far. We're doing a podcast but about a th- podcast. Yeah, but I don't think us picking up. Oh, Alan's mentioned that he's got a wife is going mm. too far because it has been picked up by other people, yep. and the fact that it's kind of a bit of a random detail to drop in there and then not reference ever again. I wonder if it it is a case of you know writers so the gibbons kind of going you know this will this will yeah. kind of put a cat amongst the pigeons and it's these really like small small references that create lots of questions and raise yeah. lots of speculation about the future of the character and i think it leads on to the other point that i would say kind of um back, back to your point uh, tom about how we're kind of like uh, it, it's it's so easy to just lay praise on it in terms of the strength of it but i think what this has really demonstrated again is just the versatility of the character and how they've really yeah. um a, they're able to adapt it into any number of different formats and even kind of like future partridge you know there's talk of this you know potential driving show where he's kind of driving um around the country and it, they have a real handle on how to write it and i feel like this could have been almost anything and they are able to understand and interpret how that situation uh, how they can best use alan in any given situation i do think that what they've done is quite smartly used alan within uh, the podcasting world and as a as a as a broad catalogue of work i think the oast house is successful in terms of what they've set out to do it's an interesting point there as well about the other alan projects that are kind of in the work so yeah there's the the driving thing whatever that would be they also said that there was going to be some kind of history program um and yeah i i totally agree it's testament to the brilliance of the writing team that they can essentially make the alan character work across any kind of vehicle in any format now that they're at that point where he is so fully developed they know how he works if he's presenting a history show or a travel show or a podcast or a one-show spoof. It, it all works and it all feels very, very fleshed out. Just while we're talking about praise for the show, I just wanted to read out a few of the um, five-star reviews from uh, from from Amazon. Um, this one from Pluto Pants says, uh, the APU, as it's known to some fans, wonder where he got that term from, <laughs> uh, the, uh, has been enhanced in this, in this latter incarnation. Uh, absolutely wonderful stuff. Should please fans of the character and encourage new fans to explore the back catalogue. I might even go far as to say this is the that I prefer this incarnation to the one show parody this time since it narrates a story that you can picture in your imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin mm-hmm. says perfect blend of cutting witticisms, rambling and pettiness. Um, and then Lulu says this is the best partridge stuff since the resurrection of this brilliant character. The level of detail, observations, development, ramblings. Uh, it's an interesting approach to the podcast medium. Uh, I think it's, this is up there with the best partridge ever. So yeah, those are the five star reviews. But I did check the one star reviews. Now there aren't <laughs> now there aren't many at all, um, and uh, they're all pretty nonsense to be honest. And I don't agree with with them. And some of them are just like there's no comment whatsoever but one of these uh, i did notice which uh, isn't actually the review itself but um, what someone else has done with it so the one star review says thank goodness i ordered this on a free trial i couldn't bear the thought that i might have paid for this tiresome wholly unfunny drivel and you can reply to comments on amazon and someone has replied forklift truck driver for british leyland 
So that's obviously a reference to Stephen McCoom. So they said they're criticising yeah. it. It's like, oh, you're Stephen uh, McCoom, which I thought was really nice. They, they really haven't good. posted the, the one-star review under the name High Noon as well, have they? No. No, that, that would have been brilliant. But I yeah. did like the fact that someone had gone in there and basically accused someone it's, of being Stephen McCoom. And deep, deep, deep partridge knowledge as, as well. That's, that is yeah. fairly, uh, fairly, fairly, yeah, good, good, good info. And finally, before we sign off, we just want to do uh, our predictor partridge. Now, if you remember in the first episode, which actually turned out to be episode two, we talked about at the end of the episode of uh, a prediction that may happen throughout the entire series when it went live. Can um, I just so, add, I cannot remember what any of us said for this, so well, I'm genuinely ask, intrigued. <laughs> can any of you remember what you said? Just a yes or no, and then I'll go into it. Not, it feels like years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so, I can remember, yeah. Tom Dark, you went big and you said Alan would be married to Angela. That did not happen, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah. you did throw you did throw in one bonus prediction, which was we would uh, Lynn would be referred to but never heard. That is correct. Yes. Okay. Uh, Adam, uh, you gave short and long term predictions. Uh, you said we'd find out the name of Alan's wife. That did not happen because he does <laughs> not have a wife. We've all taken the wife breadcrumb there, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. And that none of the episodes would take place in the Oast House. <laughs> oh, <whoops>. <laughs> <laughs> that did not occur. Uh, Nick, your first prediction was that Alan was a grandfather. Of course, we already knew that from Nomad. <laughs> you then said that your new prediction was his dog is seldom, um, which, which again, we already knew. His prediction, his name was Alan. <laughs> <laughs> two out of two is what I'm hearing. <laughs> and my prediction was that something would happen to the Oast House, whether that be a fire, flooding, or a roof collapse or something. That did uh, not occur. But the so joke's really, on you because he leaves French doors open to avoid fire in the case of fire <laughs> yeah so really uh, the only person who got anything remotely close is tom dark who said that lean lynn would be referred to but not heard that yes is what do correct. i win uh the listeners respect great i'll take that <laughs> genuinely thrilled um so yes that's uh, that's our thoughts about from the oast house alan's first foray into the podcast world as well as uh, some amazon reviewers and of course the summary of our predictor partridge but let's get to the meat of this thing what did you think of it please get in touch with your feedback about from the oast house and uh, anything you'd like to know ask or tell us about alan in general uh, we'll be back next week with the last in the series um gathering your feedback and also hopefully uh, putting together some of your renditions of the oast house theme so if you'd like to record your version of uh, Alan Partridge from the Oast House from the Oast House with Alan Partridge Alan Partridge from the Oast House from the Oast House with Alan Partridge um, please do record it as audio and send it to us as a WhatsApp voice note on 07923 or attach it to an email and send it to thepartridgepod at gmail.com and hopefully you'll be hearing some of those next week um, but equally let us know your thoughts on both of those methods of communication or via Instagram at monkeytennispod Twitter at thepartridgepod or facebook.com slash thepartridgepod finally if you've enjoyed what you've heard our special guests Tim Key and Susanna Fielding and our rundown of the Oast House episodes shout us the price of a cup of coffee by going to ko-fi.com slash monkey tennis or if you think very generous 15 quid means all five members of the monkey tennis team including tireless producer Jed uh, get a coffee on you for which we'll be very grateful um, so that brings us to the end of this week back next week with your feedback and then who knows apparently they're already rehearsing this time series two so we may be back with series 11 jesus of monkey tennis before <laughs> too long uh but for now from all of us at monkey tennis the alan partridge fan podcast thanks so much and goodbye bring bring <laughs> quite a call back then to about a year ago <laughs> whoa 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 that's english for stop a podcast 
Now, despite the fact we literally just said that we're going to be back next week with your feedback, we're actually going to be recording that episode a little bit after that. So you've got about a week or so to get in your views and opinions on From the Oast House and also to record and send in your acapella version of the theme tune. And you can send those in to all the normal places that Adam so expertly lists at the end of every episode. Look out for the feedback episode coming at the beginning of December. And finally, if you have enjoyed the series, please consider dropping us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help us get up the chart and we really appreciate it. So in summary, send in your theme tunes and your feedback. Look for the episode coming in December and drop us a five-star review, you shits. And this is the beauty of podcasting, the freedom of the medium. Good compare. Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. Fireworks. Don't muck about. Trees are my pawn. Monkey tennis. Ready, steady, fuck off. Scratch me. Are you being served? Monkey tennis. Excuse me, your dog's taken my dog's stick. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Monkey tennis. Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Generally, I think new ideas are bad. Monkey tennis. Why not consider chips? You must come and stay in the barn. Fuck off. Riddle me that, you nutters. Nothing refreshes like an ice-cold glass of milk. Nah. Monkey tennis from the host house. Keep it down, love. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.